I'm Craig Wilson, editor of Stuff Magazine. Well, actually, soon to be former editor of Stuff Magazine. And this is my last episode of the Stuff Podcast. I'm here with the inimitable Toby Shapshack, and we are going to catch you up on the latest tech news. Well, I have to say it's, it is with great sadness that we say goodbye to Craig, who has literally won the lottery, the green card lottery, and is moving to New York in September. So goodbye and good luck. Thank you. It has been great fun doing this podcast together, and let's hope this is the, the scintillating finale. <laughs> and, you know, maybe uh, in future visits, because you can't help but come home. Exactly. You're not allowed to take Biltong in your bag, so you've got to come and get it somewhere. Exactly, exactly. Well said for a vegetarian. Which is probably a good place to start, because Craig is eating Satan Vegetarian, S-E-I-T-A-N, which is a protein made from gluten. And of course, some meat eaters might tell you it is the devil's work, but uh, I think it's delicious. It is indeed. And, and that gives us a good chance to kick off on, on one of the things that was going to be one of the humorous items of today's podcast, which is that KFC is serving non-chicken nuggets. Yeah, non-chicken chicken nuggets. Uh, so the story came out this week. They are testing a product from Beyond Meat, which many of you may know is one of the two big companies, along with Impossible, who are working on meat alternatives for vegetarians and vegans and the like. Uh, we've seen Burger King rolling out the Impossible Whopper in uh, its American outlets. And now we have KFC trialing non-chicken chicken nuggets so the test is happening in one outlet in atlanta and if you buy something else from the outlet they will give you some of these non-chicken nuggets to try presumably in exchange for some user feedback down the line but i think this just talks to the bigger trend of you know as with so many of these things it's a case of if you can prove that there's a market for it someone will make it and there certainly seems to be demand uh, for meat alternatives indeed and i am I have a very environmentalist approach to it or view of it, which is there is no way 7 billion people can be supported with the food production techniques that we currently have. You know, and, you know, the fact that poor cows get killed. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is to, my big To one. make our hamburgers. But but it's, a, it's, it's quite a... It, it's just unsustainable. There's simply no way we can carry on feeding people the way we currently do and the fact that we're still exponentially growing. So we need to find a better, different, alternative way to feed people. And growing meat or, or producing meat alternatives, I think, is a very good a very good way of doing it. I'm, I'm very interested in, a, in a, another alternative, which is to actually grow the meat cells. Literally yeah. in, in what looks like a beer vat. And, that, and that's very interesting. I guess what the other bonus is that people are throwing a lot of money into this now. You know, I've heard a few and read a few interviews with some of the people behind Impossible and Beyond Meat talking about the challenges of making the products sufficiently appealing because, you know, there, there are a lot of people who really enjoy eating meat. And so I think it's fascinating that people are spending this much time and energy and research and development building products that you know mimic it so closely the mimicry mimicry for me is really interesting too because personally i'm not in a mad rush to eat things that seem like meat but aren't i'm quite happy to not eat meat but i think if we can bring these products to market and get more people to consider meat-free alternatives that's certainly a step in the right direction and we might see less of the amazon getting burnt for farmland exactly and and that's you know that's the key that's the key thing right because yeah. it really is cattle farmers Absolutely. In many Absolutely. cases who are who are clearing 
what are the Earth's lungs. Um, and as you said, the key, the key here is, is sustainability. So let's talk about another uh, interesting innovation. And, uh, and, and this is an entirely separate category of smartphone that, that Samsung effectively created. It was the phablets, their, their notes. Absolutely. And, and this, this uh, recently, this month, we've seen the launch of the, the Note 10. So it's 10 years old. This entirely new category of smartphone. And, and Samsung obviously still dominates it. And they're... They, what sets their device apart, aside from initially the very large screen, is the stylus, and they and they have been very committed to this interface, and I think it's a really interesting approach to a smartphone. And uh, I mean, of course, engineering-wise, they still managed to make it in such a tiny body with a stylus that pops out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they were ridiculed at first. The first generation of Note people said, no one's going to want a phone this big and no one's going to want a stylus. And it turns out, you know, Samsung trots out sort of its stats and figures every year at every new Note launch. And Note fans are notoriously some of Samsung's loyalists. And what I think is fascinating, too, is that nobody else has made as compelling a smartphone stylus combo. You know, LG's had a go. Uh, there've been some others over the last decade, but the Note is has absolutely staked its claim as the de facto large format stylus handset. You know, there is just nothing I, like it. I have such nostalgia for the for the interface because I was a Palm originally Palm pilot and then Palm user. Then sure. I had a Trio. Then I had one of those early Sony Ericsson P800s. Then I had the P900. Right. I was used to the stylus interface. Has it made your handwriting any better? No. Uh, <laughs> long long before, I mean, I can still quite quickly convert back into the that very simplified, capitalized palm um, typeface. So you had mm, to, so sure. an A was just a, the, the, the up and down stroke, not the horizontal stroke. Yeah, the sort of inverted V. Yeah. And I have a real fondness for it, but it's it's just very interesting to me that there's this kind of carved out category of people. Uh, maybe Samsung selling to the same people who bought the previous version or previous two versions, mm. depending on the upgrade cycle. But they are a very loyal, very specific uh, market. Well, I think increasingly what you see too is you see the sorts who want to be able to scribble on PDFs and slides and provide feedback to design teams. Or, you know, if you work on websites and you want to say, move this up three pixels, I think that's a really intuitive interface to be able to scribble on them. But then the other Note users are just people who want the biggest, baddest processing power, the latest um, hardware, because that's where Samsung trots this out, you know? Petrol heads for mobile phone users. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And this time around, it's no exception. So Ram heads. We have Ram heads. So you can, what, what's interesting, too, with the 10 is we've seen two models well, for the first time. So a 10 and, and a 10 plus. Uh, the sort of screen sizes, there's not that much in it. I think it's 6.3 on the smaller, 6.8 on the larger. But they don't feel much bigger than last year's 6.4 inch 9 because the bezels have gotten pretty much invisible. Uh, they're so, so slim now. Um, but there, was an, there was another thing that Samsung seldom gets the credit for doing. Was the Note without notches? Was the Note Eight, wasn't it? Or yeah. The no, no, so the the Galaxy Eight or the Galaxy Nine. Mm, with the super, the sort of ultra slim. The no bezels, and the, and then of course that year everybody else copied or followed with slimmer bezels. But it was it was another thing that Samsung did first. Sure, and now we've got the punch hole front facing camera that we first saw on the uh, S Nine devices now. 
That's a little, I mean, sorry, not the S9, the S10 devices. Now, that's a little controversial. Uh, they've moved it from the edge to the middle. Uh, some people like it, some people hate it. I've found, frankly, much like the notch, it's the kind of thing you notice for the first two hours and then you never notice again. You know, it just fades into the background. And I think if the trade-off is more, more screen real estate, uh, you know, I don't, I don't find it problematic in the same way that I don't find the notch particularly troublesome. So yeah, this year we've got two sizes. Um, obviously, you're looking at high sort of 20,000 Rand-ish price tags, but that's just the new norm for these sorts of devices these days. And I guess the other thing with the notes is that people don't, I think, upgrade them as often. I don't think you buy a new note every year. I think you get one every two years if that's your upgrade cycle or if you're buying them cash. I've known people who've kept theirs for three. And Samsung's actually trotted that out at its presentation as well, saying that the main reason people upgrade is because it's time rather than because the device is no longer up to spec. And the yeah. specs this year are crazy. You've got 256 gigs of storage as standard. The bigger device has an SD card that'll do an extra terabyte. Uh, you get their new Exynos uh, 9825 processor. And on the big handset, you get 12 gigs of RAM. Now, I mean, my MacBook Pro only has yeah. 8 gigs. Yeah, mine too. It's just an absolute beast of a, a device. You can also plug it in now for DeX. It used to be that you'd need a separate dock. Now you just need the cable in the box. Plug it into your laptop. You can drag and drop stuff in between. No, I love this DeX functionality. It's, it's interesting. It, at the very first launch of, of the dock that gave you the DeX functionality... Um, the only people who were like beside themselves were journalists. The, yeah, the, sure. the functionality on that is just fantastic because of instead of carrying a laptop, you just carry your your phone, phone. your powerhouse phone. You plug it in, you get a keyboard and a mouse, and it and it and it gives you the interface or the look and feel of a laptop. Now that's for most of us probably all we need. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you you know, I what are, what am I doing? I'm surfing and I'm writing in in a in a word processor. And on a suitably sort of big display that you can do all of these things on, yeah. Very I mean, I think it's going to sell in droves, at least to that sort of market, you know. But note users hold out. If they've liked the yeah. previous one, they normally hang around for the next one. It just means you have to have a, you know, big screen and keyboard and mouse lying around to take care of that. Well, sure. Well, these days you just plug it into your laptop. I mean, they've sort of shifted the focus a little, which is to make it work really well with your device. So if, for example, yeah. you're a journalist who wants to take pictures on your phone, uh, obviously, there's now the, so the triple camera setup, the ultra wide, the wide, the zoom. Um, you can then plug it in and just drag and drop in another window on your Mac or your PC, which is yeah, the other nice thing. Yeah. I've been using it on Mac and it's just, it's just seamless. It's exactly what I've wanted because often I need to get images from the phone to the laptop and that can be a little bit of a nuisance. Uh, the standard Android transfer is a dog show of a piece of software that is only reliable in its lack of reliability. I, ju I just, I email myself. Right, and I mean, and that, to it's email absurd. yourself, it seems absurd, right? So now the plug-in- At a conference where the Wi-Fi is always bad. Invariably. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what they do, they're like 6,000 geeks hitting the Wi-Fi with two devices each. You know, it al <laughs> yeah, exactly. always falls over. Anyway, anyway that's, that's enough of the, the Samsung stuff, I think. I think if you want to know more specs, more details, there's all of it, of course, on stuff.co.za. In abundance. And, uh, I mean, there was another interesting thing that happened, which was the, the, the launch of these fantastic Sony wireless in-ear headphones. Absolutely. Ear, ear, ear pods or ear, ear buds. Yeah. They are, they really are something, aren't they? Well, so, I mean, first to talk about this, I think the Sony stuff, you know, Sony... Uh, if you ever travel uh, often, you will have seen that the majority of sort of business flyers, 
uh, are using Bose QuietComfort earphones. And that is just changing. That is just not the case anymore because last year Sony put out its over-ear, the somewhat awkwardly named but otherwise awesome WH-1000XM3s. Um, and they really just set the bar for what noise-canceling headphones ought to be. So now what they've gone and done is they've taken that same noise-canceling tech and put it in some in-ears. Now, they're not the only company doing in-ear no active noise-canceling, but they are certainly the, m the, the sort of biggest name and the one that's going to be most readily available in South Africa. So, of course, um, we went off to, to the launch of these and got to, got to test them out. Um, and one of the things they do really, really well is they have this adaptive noise cancelling. So you're able to tap around in the app and say, look, take, an, uh, take a reading, essentially, of the decibels around me, figure out whether you think I'm on a train, on a plane, just in a crowded room, and then adjust the noise cancelling response accordingly. And much like the over-ears, the results are just uh, exceptional. Well, one of the things you realize about Sony's kit, too, is fortunately for this particular launch, I, I got to go to Sony's headquarters in Tokyo and sort of check it out there and test it on the Tokyo subway and so on. And what I hadn't realized was that Tokyo has the same kind of brand loyalty there, not surprisingly, I guess, in retrospect, that Samsung enjoys in Seoul. You know, yeah, the, you just I've see Sony yeah. phones, Sony phones everywhere, which is not a product category that they've done particularly well with in South Africa, but the gear is just everywhere. And uh, there was also a, a retrospective of sort of Sony's Walkman devices. And, you know, you forget that sort of 40 years ago, they really pioneered sort of portable audio in a way that I, didn't mean... I had a, a Sony Walkman. They were awesome. I have a Sony Discman that still works. Wow. The, the I also still have my Discman. I've got a mini disc. <laughs> oh, you had a, a mini a disc? No, yeah. I had one and I sold it and someone gave me their old, their old stock. Um, for my my archive, and uh, I mean, it's re they really were brilliant at portable music. They just they were they were a company, a conglomerate that had Sony Music, and Sony Music was at odds with Sony Consumer Electronics sure. on what to do. And as 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 a result, the music guys went out, and the Consumer Electronics were overtaken by first the iPod and then smartphones. Yeah, and we forget too that you know Sony really, that we, we look at all the um, origin stories and we think of Apple and we think of Microsoft, but Sony was started by you know two chaps in post-Second World War Japan uh, when literally huge chunks of the country had been destroyed. And they went, to build, went on to build you know, category leading and defining devices. And I just found it fascinating that they're continuing to do this today with, of course, that added uh, Japanese-ness, which is this attention to detail and precision beautiful and beautiful design. design. Right? There's a certain elegance and, and historical elegance yeah. you know, to, to Japanese culture. I mean, I'm a real Japanophile. And, and um, a willingness to sort of, you know, iterate and, and learn from the sort of previous generation's criticism and finding solutions to them. Mm. So I think there are some caveats to be had with these first, these are the first gen of these in-ear noise cancelers and they're not perfect. So they are excellent, they have great battery life, they have great audio quality and they have great noise cancelling. And for a lot of people, that will be enough. But there are a couple of glaring oversights. The first is they aren't waterproof in any shape or form. So if you, you're, like, you're not going to want to use them in the gym because at 5,000 Rand, they're not a you know, a whim purchase, uh, and you're not going to want to sweat on them. What is this gym word you keep using? 
Well, for those out there who, who do exercise, who are practicing as opposed to non-practicing health practitioners like our Toby Shapshak. I'm a non-practicing health fanatic. So, so this might be a concern. The other is that you can only connect them to one device at a time. So if you want to connect to your laptop and your phone and be able to listen to music from your laptop and take calls on them with your phone, that's not going to work. Um, and so, you know, there, there are a couple of things that I'm sure we will see corrected uh, in the next generation. The other one is volume control. There's no way to control the volume from the buds directly. But I guess if you're a commuter or something, you'll probably have your phone or your laptop in range to be able to adjust volume. So that may not be a deal breaker. But you know, the things it does well, uh, they do extremely, extremely well. And they are going on sale in South Africa a little bit later this month. So if you've been holding out for noise cancelling in earbuds uh, and you're not sold on the Apple earrings, earpod uh, sort of look, um, then go and check them out, you know, go and try them out in store. Indeed. And so I mean, Sony's on the rise in several categories. Their, their mirrorless cameras are quite exceptional at the moment. They, they're doing some really good work with that. And I've seen some very clever combination camera tripod selfie stick mm, you know for, look, back, for content back, creators yeah for content creators i'm a guy like a camera where the screen flips around so you can see yourself uh that the little tripod you would put it on turns into a selfie stick with controls on it mm. very clever integration of of different devices so it gives you much better quality than a than a smartphone um and and much more control obviously but designed for that self-facing you know navel well, gazing uh, generation <laughs> that we've become i'm terribly sorry to be a part sure. of but i mean no so uh, absolutely i think sony have got uh, nikon and canon and company worried because they they really are leading the charge in full frame mirrorless cameras and you know nikon and sony i mean nikon and canon rather have only released their own mirrorless full frame cameras in the last 12 months sony meanwhile is on the sort of in some cases, the sixth generation of these devices. So, yeah, a company yeah. clearly that isn't that isn't going anywhere. And of course, they they have smarts in in smartphone cameras. They they provide a lot of the manufacturers with the cameras yeah, that we're yeah, taking absolutely. pictures with, and they they are superb. It is bizarre that Sony's mobile phones, meanwhile, haven't enjoyed the same success as the cameras and the headphones. But you know, who knows? In five years' time, this may look like a blip, and they may. Uh, you know, be able to turn that around. But it's a tough market. You know, Samsung dominates. You've got Apple and Huawei, although, of course, Huawei has its own uh, uh, sort of obstacles at the moment. But it's challenges, a very... Challenges. Challenges, the word. Challenges, right. Uh, but it's a very hard market to crack, even for someone like Sony. But I think to discount them uh, would be a little short-sighted. Indeed, indeed. I mean, I'm still, I'm still loyal to my Sennheisers. Those are my noise-canceling cans of choice. They're really spectacular. Um, Craig Wilson, it has been really great fun working with you for the last five years and doing this podcast to our three or four listeners. Thank you <laughs> yes, for thank laughing you. at Th Craig's jokes along with me or for laughing at my jokes along with Craig. Um, it's been really great and, and good luck in America. Thank you very much. 